Hello, everyone. This is Sean Lenahan. Uh, I am here uh, for the lead newsletter. We have a second episode here in our podcast series of pers perspectives from cohort four. I am joined with the one and only Mark Rizzo, and we're going to get his perspectives of this program. I have a few questions I'm going to ask him, but first, I'd like to say thank you very much, Mr. Rizzo, for, for joining me today. And uh, the, the first question I have for you is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your occupation? Yes, thanks, Sean. And it's a pleasure uh, being on with you. Um, one of the things I think is important is that we get information out about how, how and what we've gone through. So my name's Mark Rizzo. Um, I've been in the New Jersey Army National Guard for, I'm coming up on 36 years on November 23rd, actually. I'm almost on my 36th anniversary. Um, and uh, I, I started going to college. You want me to talk about how I went to start going to college? Sure, yeah. I can go in. All right. So I started going to college, um, if you can believe it, back in 2004. And I, I had no idea where, how, or what I wanted to do. I started a business degree at uh, a university up in Rhode Island and had no idea what I was going to do. And uh, because of some of the benefits that were afforded in New Jersey, um, I ended up going to uh, Rutgers for my master's. Uh, and then I ended up with uh, at Stockton. So what was your degree uh, in at Rutgers? So um, I have a BS in uh, public administration, and then I have a MPA, a master's, of public administration from Rutgers. Um, it was a phenomenal course, um, and it took me exactly uh, two years to complete. Hmm. All right. So, uh, so you got your master's from Rutgers, um, you know, and then you you look at pursuing this doctorate at at Stockton. So, I guess my question is, you know, why Stockton? What drove you to pursue a doctorate? And uh, when you announced that you were pursuing a doctorate, like what did your family and friends think uh, about that decision? So let's go back to the, the first question, if, we, if you don't mind. Let me, sure. let me answer the first question. Um, so one of the reasons that I opened with um, who I am and that I started going to school in 2004 is because I think this has been a lifelong dream of mine. I, I think that's why I continued to go to college. I really believe that I wanted to always, you know, one of the things that I did when I first got to Stockton is we had to put a, a six, six word sentence, I think. And I remember, I, 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 and I don't know if I did it correctly. I said, I am a lifelong learner. And that's what I'd say, because yeah. I really was, and I really am. Um, so I, I wanted to continue my education. I was passionate about public administration, political science, public administration, that field local politics, uh, local city management stuff. So I ended up getting my MPA. And then after I got my MPA, it really got difficult. So I broke it down to three different universities. I looked at Rutgers, and I was looking at a PhD in public administration. I was looking at Rowan University and EDD. And I was looking at Stockton. And I'm going to tell you, a couple key things and reasons why I went with Stockton. Number one, 
I believed a cohort type of doctoral program was going to fit me perfectly. That was the first thing. I truly believed that having a difference in your organization is imperative. So how do you do that? Well, you get a degree in organizational leadership. Why did I think that was so important? Because I've often said that organizational leadership has three components to it. It has the culture of the organization, it has the structure of the organization, and then it has the craft of the leader. And I believe if you build a base knowledge, a foundation of knowledge, like an EDD in organizational leadership from Stockton, that will help you take that structure and, and improve the culture of an organization if you need to. If you don't need to and you just need to continue to, to go status quo, that'll work too. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so then you became a member of the cohort, which many refer to as the Fantastic Four cohort. And uh, so you had that thought and then you became a member of the cohort. And how did you feel like the first few classes with these virtual strangers? Were you, were you, Man, I loved it. Yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I mean, look, I, I can still to this day remember walking in and sitting at that, that first table, back corner, right hand side, go through the door. I pick my seat. This guy, Sean Lenahan, picks his seat. Bob DeLita, Joe Sipple, Jamie Richardson, Megan Rabine, and Jen Sheringham. They all picked their seats and like, this is it. We're <laughs> going to stay together for four years. And I have to tell you, it was phenomenal to build a relationship. When you think a guy from the State Department, a couple people from the military, a rocket scientist, an academia, all mm -hmm. got together with all different perspectives and points of view about things, all came together with one common ground that we all wanted to achieve our goal and get a doctorate. Yeah, no, and that's that's one of the things I always thought was interesting because, you know, as a federal employee, you know, when I hear like diverse opinions, it's like, what people from the Department of Justice think, or the Department of Interior, or the Department of Homeland Security. Part of this cohort, when you hear from people that work in, uh, you know, nonprofits or academia or, or, or religious institutions, it was a real, true, diverse, you know, uh, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different ways to approach problems. I, I just found that to be, uh, you know, really, well, someone, really someone, you got a great point there. So I, I think that that was, and I, I believe that Dr. George Sharp and Joe Marchetta, the people that created it, um, I often said to George, quite frankly, I said, look, you guys created a masterpiece, but you may not be the guys that have to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you create something, but you need, again, outside perspectives that then come in to your organizational leadership um, doctoral program and kind of put their little little spin on things on how they see it develop. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was important. I, I absolutely agree with you. Engineers right. we have, yeah. um, people that work for the state of New Jersey, couple right. police yeah. officers, two, three police officers, absolutely. But religious, 
financial group. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely awesome. And, and you and I could mention all of them by name. That's another thing, too. I wonder if if you could go to a college or to a university with I don't know how many people and know every one of your cohort members by name. Right, right. Now, and speaking of the cohort, that was my uh, kind of led me into the next question here. So you, you've been... You've been with the Stockton program for over three years now. Um, and, you know, they break it into kind of like the first phase and the second phase. And uh, the first one being like uh, the classes and the lessons that we learn from from lead 6040 and lead 6060 and things like that. So just speaking about that, uh, that first phase of the program, those courses, how do you think the lead program has helped you? Uh, personally and or professionally? That's a great question. So here's what I would say, and I think I said it earlier, but maybe I can expound upon it. I believe formal education is important. Some would say, ah, you're just getting a certificate or you're just getting a piece of paper. I don't believe that. Here's what I believe. I believe that the LEAD courses, and if we look at all of them, LEAD your organization, I believe, with 6010, right? So I that it helped me build a foundation. So it builds this platform, a solid platform, call it a, you know, six inches of concrete that I can stand on. So we're talking with people and getting the perspective and then listening to the professors. I think it was Dr. Sharp that had that first class. And then I think we had Dr. Gray for a couple classes, Dr. Snyder, when yeah. she was teaching Stockton, um, just absolutely awesome to get these other to get the perspectives from the from the professors that could help you build that foundation to make good well-informed decisions listen i've made decisions for the military for 32 years prior to getting into this program i probably could make pretty good decisions right Mm -hmm. You, you don't get to the level that i'm at um without knowing how to make good decisions but what i'd say is my decisions now that I give are on much more solid ground and are much diverse with, mm-hmm. and, and, and built through inclusion is how I come, come with a lot of these decisions. Now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, a brief question here, and this may be the most important question of the entire podcast. So uh, the first part is, did you enjoy the free breakfasts in the morning and do you have a favorite memory uh, from the program with the cohort? So, you know, I've got a few memories. Um, I think that I, I think one time you dressed me up in a fishing outfit. (laughs) See, see, and um, we were selling a product, I believe. Um, And I think we actually won that, that I think we got a, uh, a gift card or something, but, um, (laughs) Another one was one that I did with Ed. I think I did it with Ed, Jen, mm-hmm. and uh, Joe. Um, I don't know if you were part of that one when we were out on the beach and I had to run in and I was complaining and and they were talking about a different lure that yeah. we could get fish and it was just really cool. And I just thought that that the way we kind of the way we liked to joke and we never took at any given time. I never felt like we took ourselves too seriously Mm -hmm. i really truly believe that some of the jovialness the the laugh and the having fun 
um, uh, was, was important to our own personal growth. Right. Now, as far as the breakfast, breakfast was fine. I love the parfaits, you know. <laughs> I love to put a little fruit with some yogurt, <laughs> maybe some granola in there. They were tasty. As long as we had fresh strawberries and blueberries, maybe a couple of raspberries, it was good. Yeah, no, I, I, I interviewed you. So this is episode two of this uh, podcast, and uh, Megan was episode one, and she said, hands down, her favorite memory was that uh, that intensive week uh, over the summer, that, that first oh, year. absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I do. I I just think that one of the things that – and I listen, I, I will say this. I think Stockton, and, and this is just Mark Rizzo's opinion, is going to make a mistake if they go to all online. Mm -hmm. I, I totally believe in you either do some sort of hybrid or you have adult learners come into the classroom mm -hmm. because I believe that we were one of the strongest cohorts was because of that. Right. You brought us into a class in classroom environment. We all got along. We got along with the Stephs and the Gregs mm -hmm. and um, the Eds and the Lorries and mm -hmm. the Imans mm -hmm. um, and the Nancys. And, and we had, we had a really solid group of people that could, that could communicate well with each other. So I think it's important in, in my opinion, that they bring that back and, and they start bringing that Friday night um, and Saturday all day. Up there. Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't think that you get the, the interaction, the trustworthiness, um, nor the uh, nor the inclusion that you want from a program if you don't if you don't have them in a classroom. Right. Yeah. Once you learn. I, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Come on, Sean, I never would have met you. Yeah, that man, I can't even imagine what your life would be like if that didn't happen. So come on. Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I have uh, like I said, so this is for the newsletter. I went like, you know, for uh, for other people, like cohort five, six, or seven, or maybe those that are interested in joining the program. Um, and I want to talk about going how the lead program has like the, the two phases. So if we're now we're talking about like your dissertation in practice. Uh, so my question is, uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your topic. And when you started the program, did you feel like this was going to be your topic or did... Uh, did it change somewhere along the line? Did you kind of have a general idea of what you wanted to do when you started? Uh, and uh, just, so what's that topic and, and uh, did it change at all? Yeah, so that's a great question, Sean. I, I, here's what I would say that it did. I would say that my topic, and I'll go over it, my topic evolved. Okay. I would say that there was an evolution of my topic. My topic was um, defense support of civilian authority, a study of New Jersey National Guard leadership. Um, and it probably started out as me thinking it was going to be me, me studying how we run disc operations. How do we support civilian authorities? When really what it came down to, I believe that it evolved into me getting an understanding of the culture and structure of our organization and how transactional leadership managing by exception is really the preferred method and that and i'll talk a little bit about it uh december 16th mm -hmm. at seven o'clock or six o'clock 
she can tune in then. All right. Because um, that's what I'll be defending. But I, I think that it's about, so to answer your question, first and foremost, I, it absolutely was uh, my topic all along. I was doing it. I was going to do, I had one of two things in my mind. I was developing a new program for the Albanian army hmm. and I was rewriting their non-commissioned officer corps responsibilities um, as I see them, as they should be in a NATO environment. Um, and I was writing that with a couple people and we just finished that project and I just presented that to the Minister of Defense uh, about a month and a half ago in Albania. Wow. Uh, really, it was a great event, loved it. Um, so it was either going to be that or it was going to be this. Like, I didn't sway. Because I think, and, and I say this in my presentation, um, is I don't think there's a more important topic right now for me to look at in times of COVID, in times of civil unrest, in times of major storms, that the, the opportunity that maybe there is some sort of climate um, change that's going on where the temperatures are going up, tornadoes and hurricanes and things are a little bit more prevalent. Um, now, maybe they aren't because I haven't done all the studies of, of, of what's going on there. But I guess my point is that I believe that the New Jersey National Guard has never been used to this level because we haven't. I told you that I've been in for 36 years. And that's why I thought it was important. The second thing is we've got to have a transformational organization that can support a force that is very much not unlike us. The civilian population, as you know, is an military. So they don't speak military. Um, so I think we've got to learn emergency operations centers, um, FEMA, local police departments, state police departments, um, local township committees, councils, mayors. We've got to learn to better work with them united um, to, to be able to take care of the things that they need us. Because that's really what the National Guard is. We're a community-based organization. So if we're truly a community-based organization, we've got to get this DISCA, we've got to get Defense Support Civilian Authority to work really well all the time. Not that it doesn't work well, but I think that one of the things that, that makes the difference in, in someone like me is even when we do it well, we've got to find a way to do it just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. A little bit better for the next person. Yeah. No, I like, I hear that. And, um, you know, I, so, so many of us in cohort four, uh, are in the final stages of closing out this dissertation. Uh, it's been a long road and I guess when we're just talking about the dissertation in the second phase, not, not the first phase, but, um, uh, just looking at the dissertation chapters one through five and all this stuff and you have your date. What would you think for you personally, what was the most difficult part of the whole dissertation process? So, Sean, and I apologize that I got to go a little bit backwards, but, but I got to go a little bit backwards. Okay. Because I think it plays into the point that I think you and I may, may have the, of the same opinion. Mm -hmm. I think the most frustrating thing for me was the fact that I had to present my product at different stages to four or five different professors. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I would say is in the future, and I think they fixed this already. I think this is already fixed for cohort five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're up to seven now. 
Yeah. What I would say is that you should get your dissertation chair like that. Right. Just, and that person's got to be your mentor from the beginning. If I would have had Dr. Young from day one, I would have understood the things that he expected out of me from day one. Right. I knew what Dr. Snyder wanted in my chapter one and my chapter two. I hit the mark. Mm-hmm. When I went through what I needed to go through with Dr. Gonzalez, I made it through. When I did the things that I need to for Dr. Young in chapter three, I made it through. I will tell you, and that's why I said it's an evolution. Look, I've, had, I've struggled at times with my dissertation, not from lack of work. Just, mm. you know, with, with getting the words out, words out of my mouth onto a piece of paper, right? Because we're not academia. We, we don't. We don't live in academic standards all the time. You and I just want to get the information out. Like my report, boom, I want to get it out to the people so they can understand it. But now I kind of understand with going through this for the last probably six months. Because the last six months, I probably put in an average of 20 hours a week Mm. on my dissertation. Um, And I will tell you that I've learned. I've learned a little bit more about words. Words have meaning. Um, Dr. Young has helped me with that. Don't say that because I don't think that's what you meant. I think what you mean to say is this. And then I'd be like, yeah, I do mean to say that. I wasn't saying that. He's like, no, mm-hmm. your words are saying it. But when you put it on paper, that's where you've got to, you've got to get better. And I, and I think that I've gotten a little bit better communicating on, on paper. Mm-hmm. Orally, I don't have a really difficult time communicating orally. But mm-hmm. writing it down, um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand all the, the words that I needed to use. Um, but now I do. I, I I have a better understanding. I'm, I wouldn't say, of course, by any stretch of the imagination, I'm perfect. But what I'd say is I've gotten better. And it's because of the mentorship that I've received from my cohort members, um, from people that I trusted, but surely through the um, through some of the professors um, in the cohort that helped me out immeasurably. Mm-hmm. So I would just say that I think they need to, they need to, which I think they did, like I said. Oh, you need. We needed to get that from the from the, the start of go. Yeah. I mean, I, this is your dissertation chair. You run everything through them, and they work. They would work. And I got to tell you, I, with that, maybe we would have been in better shape in April, March of this year, where we felt like now we can really dive into some of our research to kind of get the the data um, extrapolated out to where it needed to be. Yeah. All right. Well, I have just one final question and this is, uh, for, uh, you know, the millions of people that will access this, uh, podcast. Um, the question is, you know, what advice would you give current students in cohorts five, six, or seven, or any general advice you would want to give to those out there that are considering, uh, pursuing this program? Here's what I'd say. So I think, again, it's a kind of a multifaceted question. What I would tell members of the cohorts behind us is that you've got to be patient. Be patient with your with your instructors. Be patient with your professor who's your chair. Um, I've struggled at times with it. Um, I really do believe that they want the best for you. Um, and they're going to challenge you. They're going to challenge you in ways 
that you're never going to be. It, this is truly an emotional journey. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, I don't know the percentage of people that have their doctorate degree in this country. I don't know if it's one percent, a half a percent, um, and 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 what percentage of them have their EDD? Mm-hmm. So have the highest level of education doctorate um, afforded for for people in this country or any other country for that matter. So I would say for them to be patient. Mm-hmm. What I what would I tell people that are that want to or that are thinking about getting into this program? Man, I I. I think I truly believe that September. I want to say it was September 2017. 18. That's when we started. Was it 18? Yeah. 2000, 2018 September when we started this program. I'm telling you, when I look back, it was probably, arguably, the best decision I've made in 15 years. You mm. in academia and um helping me to to become a better person with the people that i've been able to meet the instruction i've gotten um and what it's afforded me in my life i couldn't be happier i would Mm -hmm. not have gone back you know some people say oh i'd never make another decision i'm doing everything exactly the same in this particular instance that is true Mm -hmm. i would not have i wouldn't even if knowing what i know now but I didn't know that. I wouldn't even have looked at the PhD program at Rutgers. I wouldn't even looked at the EDD program at no. I went right to Stockton and said, I want it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're at the 26 minute mark. And uh, I, I just want to say thank you so much, Mr. Rizzo, for, uh, for joining me today. Like I said, this is going to go in the, um, I believe, the fall edition of the, the lead newsletter. Uh, so, people will be able to access this podcast and, and hear your perspectives. And I really appreciate you sharing them uh, with me today. So. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, hey, Sean, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, my hope is that it does reach people. And I, I've always said, if you can help that one person, there's two people that becomes five and 10 and 20. Um, I, I, I just, I love what we're doing and uh, I love what we've done. We've got, we've got, we've got some more to do, but mm-hmm. I'm ready for it. All right. Well, hey. Well, good, good luck on uh, December seventeenth. I know I'll be tuning in. So, uh, but that that does it here for episode two. Thank you very much, Mr. Rizzo, and uh, you have a wonderful night. Bye now. <laughs>